Welcome to Where We Land, a podcast that explores the relationship between Christ culture and the church. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. My name is Aaron, and I'm joined here in the studio today with my co-host, Stephen. Hello, everyone. And Laura. Hey, guys. And we're so glad to have you with us today as we're continuing our study on emotions. Today, we're going to be talking about joy. So we hope you'll stay with us for the full conversation ahead. Well, welcome back to the podcast studio, all three of us, first of all. How about that? Um, It's been a while since we've been together due to summer schedules, health um, things, and whatnot. So welcome back to you guys, right? I'm glad to be back to a normal rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys ready for the rhythm of the fall? Yeah. Yeah. You you called me the other (gasps) night after one of our Wednesday night services and you're like, dude, how'd it go? And I was like, well, we were actually like there for, for once for me, cause I'd been out for so long with some health stuff. So like, it's good to be back in just some type of like rhythm of life. Guys, the weather's changing. I know. The weather is changing. So I don't excited. know where you are in the country or where you're listening to this from, but here in the Roanoke Valley over the weekend, the weather just feels like fall, I especially know. up in Catawba. It was in the 50s this morning. It's just been oh, perfect. So nice. It is so great. Nice. a great day to sit out on the porch, drink a cup of coffee. Sweater weather. Anybody love sweater weather? Oh, yeah. Oh, I love it's it. It's not quite, quite sweater weather no, for me. Not, not yet. Not yet. I'm just telling you what I'm excited for and what I'm looking forward to is Do sweater weather. Do you wear weather. sweater vests? Um, <laughs> like I wear vests and I wear sweaters. I don't know if I wear a sweater vest. So I heard an interesting take on sweater vests the other day. Like, are they actually... A piece of clothing that should have ever been invented. Because, hey, like, if are you, you talking think about, about it, the sweaters with the buttons? No, 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 no. I'm talking about like, like an actual vest. Take a sweater and cut off the sleeves. <laughs> Wait, what? Have this you never is, seen these before? Really? Wait, they're wait. usually like what guys wear, I think. But Target See, is now full. Now I wonder if I wear the this. Whole, they're coming back around. That's <laughs> the why I bring this up. The women's section at Target is full of sweater vests for women. I don't wear these, do I? No. Okay, I was gonna say I, I, the way you describe it, I don't think I have any of those. You see something that was really in, and then it was really out, and then now people are like 50-50 on the fence. About was it, it really in? So it's a true it vest that looks like sweater material. Is this? Am I making the right picture? Mental I think picture? I'm, I'm going to have to look yeah. this up. Yeah, it, like imagine like, but they're all the fad right now. Well, they're I kind mean, of they're kind of like getting reintroduced into society, and I think people are like questioning them. I don't know if I would call them a fad yet again. And one could add, one could really like say, were they ever a fad? I don't know. Like, what do you think <laughs> about more? I think they belong in the same category as fanny packs. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> see, Emily, though, see, I think that's loves in a very fanny unique, pack. Uh, category. Are you going to show me a picture? I'm going to show you a picture. One. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are rough. Yeah. So, well, you know, yeah. to each their own. To each their own. Well, right? So if you're a sweater vest person, <laughs> send us a comment and tell us why you love them so much. I'm so that not way looking we can, forward to those sweaters this We can fall. know. <laughs> not those. That's no, not what you meant no, when you no, said sweater vest. Yeah, I'm just really excited for the weather changing and... Fall is probably one of my favorite seasons. I don't know about you guys, but uh, fall is probably number one for me in terms of favorite season. It's it's a tough tie with spring because I like to see the new life and new growth and everything. But, but fall, you can't beat the weather of fall. See, I'm winter, fall, spring, and then summer's my least favorite. So I'm a weird. <laughs> I like um, fall. John, my son, 
He's 10. And in the fall, he builds me a bonfire every night. Oh, man. So like when it's cold enough, I come home from work and he'll um, start a bonfire and we'll all sit around and we eat a lot of marshmallows in the fall. <laughs> this is why having children that age is a huge positive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they start to serve also, you instead of you serving them the whole time. <laughs> it is a... Um, a, it is a small bonfire, as I throw that out there since Good. he's 10. We Good have a fire safe. pit. Good that we're being safe. <laughs> it's a small bonfire. Well, today we are here and we're going to be talking uh, about emotions. We're continuing our dis- discussion on that. And today the emotion that we're going to be dealing with is the emotion of joy. Um, and I thought an uh, interesting discussion before we even get into just like breaking down what is joy and discussing all those things is looking at our culture and seeing the absence of joy. Um, would you say that you have seen recently, especially recently maybe, um, a trend of our culture and the culture around you towards negativity or a maybe a glass half full mentality? Would you say that that's been like something that's been growing? Yes, in the last, I would say in the last couple of years because of COVID, people have started to lose. In my mind, people started, like at the beginning of everything, we were, everybody was rallying and, hopeful and trying to be optimistic because nobody knew how long everything was going to last. And I don't know, as a culture, it seems like people's hope is kind of fading um, and that optimism is going away. Mm-hmm. And it's people are, you know, realizing it's a long haul kind of thing. And there's that absence of like happiness and joy. People seem fatigued, like mm-hmm. emotionally fatigued. Right, right. No, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, there's actually been studies that have been done on this and um the studies seem to say that negative emotions are on the rise not only in our country but on a world scale gallup did a study uh on a worldwide scale looking at negative emotions that people experience and they found that they did this study in 138 countries and this was a several years ago and this was this way but uh they they noticed that people experienced stress sadness anger and worry which are opposites generally of joy they would be considered negative emotions and that it was it was as high as like one in five and even one in four uh, for some of those emotions. And for stress, it was one in three um, on a worldwide scale. And so there seemed to be this absence of joy that was kind of perplexing to them. And then I read another article, and this one was kind of intense, I thought. Um, this one had shown that uh, about a year to two years ago, there was about 23 people, 23% of people, excuse me, in America would say that they often and sometimes felt isolated. There was a lack of joy in their life and it grew to 50% in the past year. Um, And that's a lot due to COVID, you could argue. Um, But they continued doing these studies and they found that like people that would say that they're happy went down to 14%. This was a study done by um, Nork at the University of Chicago. And this was done over the past year uh, or a couple um, to a year and a half ago in 2019. And they found that just 14% of American adults would say that they're very happy, which was down from 31% the year before. So just 14%, just 14% of Americans would say that they're very happy. Um, and so we kind of live in a culture that joy is seem to be seemingly 
exiting uh, many people's lives and people are struggling to have joy. So today we want to have a conversation about joy. Uh, what is joy? And we want to look at the Bible and see how can you have joy and um, how, how can you um, have a positive attitude, positive life, and be uh, joyful in your life. So I think a great place to start truly is what is joy? Um, some people would maybe just say, well, it's a pleasant emotion, but in a grander scheme, what is joy? What is it guys? Well, I think we often really confuse joy and happiness. I think we kind of equate the two to mean the same thing in America when they are so different. And I think it's, it's because we, in our society probably doesn't have, we probably do not have a really good understanding of joy. And so we use that word just like we would use the word happiness. I think our whole culture, especially like the American way of life is built on that premise, right? The pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the word happiness itself is a, is a Latin word, which is just really rooted in the word of chance, right? Mm -hmm. Um, To something to happen, a chance. And so, you know, when we think about happiness, we often equate it in terms of our own health, our success, our possessions, things that, you know, those are the measurements by which we define or, or, or consider just how happy we are. And, and, and it often is kind of the spontaneous response to just a really temporary pleasure of life. And so, so many people live with that understanding of happiness, right? That's the way we think about that circumstantial. Mm -hmm. And then with that, we, we just kind of just, I I think lump joy into that, even within the church. I, I don't know if the church, uh, big C church, right. Uh, really has a, has a good solid understanding of joy. I mean, I, I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, they said, what do you think is the, um, I can't remember exactly how they asked it, but the the basic question was like, what do you think the, the need of the hour in the church is today? And I said, one of the things that I think when I just look out at the church today is that we don't understand like our hope in God in the midst of trial and in suffering. And we don't have a really good understanding of that. Like when you look at the Bible and all the times it calls the church to rejoice, even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of persecution, that is not the tone of of maybe the church today. I think that in our Christian subculture in America, we use a different word. We don't generally use happiness. I think we say blessed. Oh, yeah. So you've got that. I'm so blessed. blessed. Yes, I'm so blessed because this and this and this happened. And or I see this a lot. Look what happened, how this worked out. Our house sold. We got a good deal. We bought a new house. God is so good. Right. I'm so blessed, as if God's goodness was tied to those particular circumstances. Sure. And I, and I thought about that, too, because, you know, in the Christian life, you know, you look back in the Old Testament, and the Bible has a lot to say about blessings and, and mm-hmm. living a blessed life. I mean, that is biblical, right? But often when the Bible, I mean, always when the Bible talks about that, it's rooted in the disposition of a person, right? They're living a blessed life. They're a blessed individual, like even in terms of, of their relationship with God and the, the joy that comes from that. It's usually tied to their relationship with God. It is. But in America, we tie it to our possessions. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 What do you think, Stephen? It's It's interesting because it, you're correct. We have put happiness and joy together in the same uh, boat. 
Um, if you look in any English dictionary, we look up the word uh, joy. Well, it's an emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the process prospect of possessing what one desires, delight, right? And then you look up the definition for happiness, and it's the state, or the, you look up the... Um, Wait, which... I got confused there. The quote you just read, or the... That is the definition of joy. Of joy. Read that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read that again. The emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the process of possessing what one desires, okay. delight. And then if you look up um, happiness, it get, it says the state of being happy, but then the word that Merriam-Webster associates with it the most is joy. Right, so because, it's weird that yeah, they yeah. put them together that's, in that. Yeah, that's confusing. But see, I would even take issue with, not married webster but I would <laughs> not say, personally. not personally, <laughs> but I would say their definition of joy is is not a biblical definition of right. joy, right? Because uh, they, they say that joy is a state of well-being. Whereas I think if, if and we're going to talk about it on the podcast today, uh, as a Christian, joy is not determined for me. My Christian joy, my joy in the Lord is not determined by a sense of well-being. Like it actually is the opposite of that, because I believe when you look at the Bible, a person can experience joy even in the midst of illness, bereavement. Uh, loss of heart of a job or or difficult circumstances, right? So, I mean, I would maybe take a little issue with that yeah. definition well, if, if we want to transpose that into kind of a Christian definition. I think we're already starting from a from a different place, right? Well, and if you remove Jesus and the gospel from the equation, all you're left with is really looking for your circumstances to turn out right, right? Yeah, which is which is the reality that most people live with. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I would say too. In a sense, in a linguistic sense, the Bible would, in the New Testament, at least somewhat on the outside, if you do not study it deeply, you would think that it's saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. The reason being is the uh, Greek word for joy is kara, and it literally means joy, happiness, and gladness. So it was easily confusing when you look at that. However, we have to understand that when we look at joy, the Bible presents joy very differently than we think of it Um, because joy is both um, active and passive. And so in our modern day, we use the term joy and happiness. Joy generally is something that's more of a chronic emotion, right? Something that should be continuing on and something that should be uh, coming from outside, something that I can possess. And then we think of happiness as like what you were saying, that by chance thing, right? Like I'm going to experience it and hopefully I get happy and hopefully I stay that way. The Bible, though, presents joy as both active and passive. And here's what we mean by that. One is commanded that you are actively rejoicing. So joy is something that you can be partaking in and practicing. But joy is also something that is received from an exterior uh, person or component. And the Bible presents joy in this way. And uh, the first thing that we see is that joy is the joy emotion is a command in the Bible. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. I mean, so so where can we find that at in God's word? Is there any specific verses that you guys would have like where you can say, man, there is definitely a command there that joy and the joy emotion rejoicing is something that has to happen in my life as a Christian. Well, you think about what Paul says in the book of, um, in Philippians where he says to rejoice in the Lord always, and so, you know, he's, he's, he's rooting that joy in an action. But I think it's important that we, we understand what he's saying there because he says that we're to rejoice in the Lord. And so when we, when we really answer the question, well, 
you know, I, I kind of thought about this week is, is would you, let me ask you guys this question. Would you say that an unbeliever, somebody who does not know Christ can experience joy? Hmm. We're all looking at each other. <laughs> I would say their definition of joy. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree yeah. with yeah. that because I would think most people probably would tell me if I asked them, hey, do you experience joy? They probably would say yes, but they, they would probably root it in their values right so which as would long be back to merriam webster's value yeah, exactly system. it will yeah. not be the joy yeah. of the lord right they so, will right. definitely not experience the joy of the lord if they are in that position sure but i'm saying like most people would probably say i'm experiencing joy or they have or they have yeah, in sure. the way that they would measure that is by their value system mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. so if 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 my values are or the values that i perceive whether that's a, a moral life whether that's a a, a um a financial well-being life, uh, you know, whatever it is. I, um, I think we, we, a person would probably say they've experienced joy, but I, I think the Christian joy is different than that mm-hmm. because every time the Bible talks about joy uh, in the new Testament, it's, it's, it's rooted uh, in a person, right? And like, where is joy to be found? Well, it's, it's to be found in Christ. Um, Paul says in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord. And then he says always, right? So there's that mm-hmm. action. But but but, he, but he's showing where our joy is found. It's in the Lord. Or, um, you know, I think about the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Well, where does that come from? It comes from the Spirit, mm-hmm. uh, the Spirit who indwells our life. And so um, I think it is commanded in the Bible. But the reason it is commanded is because 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 that person is living in us. So, mm-hmm. so I can, yeah, you say that? I would agree with that in a sense, but I would also say that it's commanded because it's a choice that we can make or not make. So I can choose on a daily basis if, if I'm going to practice my life and live my life in the joy of the Lord, or if I'm not, um, meaning I can choose to submit to the spirit. And if I do, I believe I will experience the overflow of the fruit of the spirit in my life. But the Bible says that if I am not walking in the Spirit's power on that certain day, I will not experience the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, to the fullest extent that I could. And I agree so I think I can because... cover it up and choose to not practice what is commanded. However, that doesn't take the joy away from my life per se, because I agree with you, the joy of the Lord comes from the inside out. But it does muffle the joy of the Lord that I should be experiencing, which I believe is one reason why many Christians experience stress, worry, depression, anxiety, is because they are not walking in the spirit and experiencing the joy of the Lord. You mentioned it's a power, and I and I agree with that because I think joy is a power. It's 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 it is um, it's a power outside of ourselves, right? So so joy is not found in me if if I recognize what the Bible says. Joy is only found in the Lord, right? Or in a, and in a relationship with Him, and so I need that power outside of myself to invade me, to transform me, and and to enable me to 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 do what you're saying, to make those choices. And um, I, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that I think is really helpful when we think about joy. It's what Peter says in his epistle. He says in First Peter chapter one, listen to verse eight and nine. He says, "Though you have not seen Him, you love Him." Right. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So I think what, I think what, what Peter is saying there is, is what we all recognize. Uh, joy is not primarily something I feel. 
we feel happiness. We, we feel a response, that, that, that response to the situations in our life. We feel that. Whereas joy is not something necessarily I feel, but he's connecting it to there. He says, he says, though you do not see him, you feel. No, he didn't say you feel him. He says you believe in him and rejoice with joy. So I think, I think what Peter's doing for us is he's helping connect for the Christian that joy is really experiencing God. And when I'm experiencing God in his fullness in my life, um, then I have what he's talking about there. It's inexpressible and filled with glory. Yeah. And it's rooted in the salvation of our soul. So, you know, like I, I think a lot of times too, when we're talking about joy, when you look in the Bible, it's, it's always rooted in the grace of God that he's given us. And, you know, we just talked about guilt on the last episode and there is such a connection, I think, for the Christian in um, moving from guilt into experiencing God's forgiveness and grace that becomes this gratitude that fuels my joy. Well, you just said, what did you say, Aaron, that it is rooted in the grace of God? Is mm-hmm. that what you just said? Mm-hmm. So that makes me think of um, the Greek word eucharisteo. So when Jesus... I didn't know Laura was a Greek scholar. No, hold on. No, hold on now. This she's is not. She reads Ann Voskamp. <laughs> hey, listen, man. Bring it. Bring <laughs> well, it. Well, but like, think about that word. When Jesus, um, at the Last Supper, when he is breaking bread and with his disciples, they have that meal, that last meal together. And when he does that, the when he says in English, it says that he broke the bread and he gave thanks. But the Greek word is Eucharisteo, which the two Greek scholars at the table tell us what are the root words of that particular Greek I don't know word. who else you're looking to because I'm, I'm looking, looking to you two Greek you. scholars because okay. it's not me. <laughs> so it is a Greek word meaning thanksgiving, to be thankful, and it envelops the Gre- yeah. Greek word for charis, hmm. meaning grace, like you just said, Aaron. Mm-hmm. And also the derivative of the Greek word for joy, which did you say is that kara or kara? Kara, kara, so however you want to pronounce together, it. it's putting um, grace, it's putting together joy and thanksgiving, all mm-hmm. in that picture before he breaks the bread and he gives us his body and blood as an illustrate, you know, that's illustrating what he's about to do for us on the cross. Mm-hmm. And there's something very active about what Christ is doing there. I do think joy as a Christian is active. We are choosing Thanksgiving. We are choosing to be thankful for the grace that He has that He gives to us every day. Sure, and it's all linked together. Um, the joy, the grace, the thankfulness. You think of that in Philippians too. There's a lot of active practicing of joy. You know, in in right. Philippians, right. we're supposed to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, but I don't know. I just think of the Last Supper and Jesus Himself giving thanks. Um, and that word being enveloped in his grace and in joy altogether. Yeah, because I, I think I, I agree with you completely. And I think I believe, too, that many Christians suffer from a lack of application in this aspect. And what I mean by that is this. If you are a Christian, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have placed your faith in him and you've received his grace then that means that you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you according to the Bible. Therefore, the joy of the Lord remains in you. (laughs) So you either are not um, understanding that and looking to that and agreeing with that, or you're choosing to not walk in the spirit and you're muffling that joy that's in you. Like you're choosing not to practice what you've had or you're choosing not, or you maybe were just ignorant that you didn't have it. But if you are not, if you're just somebody and you're like, man, 
I have not really ever experienced true joy or the joy of the Lord, like what you all have described on the podcast today. Well, then that's a question time to look in your own life and ask, well, do I have a relationship with the Lord? And then after that, if you do, well, then where's the disconnect, you know, right. because John 15, 11, Jesus is talking to them. And he's just talked to them about abiding in him and about how that produces fruit. And then he says in verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. And, he, and then he's going to come back around later in John 15. He's like, and I'm also going to send somebody to live inside of you called the comforter. And he's mm-hmm. just going to tie it all together. And it's like, well, Jesus is giving them a heads up before they face some of the toughest, darkest times of their life. Uh, when they think that they've lost Jesus, he's giving them a heads up that, hey, you all can have joy. And here's how. Yeah. And see, here, but here's the problem. I think what most Christians in their life, when they're trying to say, I'm going to choose joy today, they're really saying I'm choosing the world's definition of happiness and I'm trying to apply my Christian belief as joy. Because, so, because because that verse says that it's mm-hmm. not my joy, it's his joy, right? right? I, I thought about, as we were preparing for the discussion today, I thought about the, uh, the uh, Heidelberg Catechism, right? So one of the oldest confessions of faith in the Reformation, probably one of the most um, famous in terms of the 16th century, the very first question of the catechism is, what is your only comfort in life and death? And the answer to that, right, like the catechism is a, is a question and answer mm-hmm. form of of theology. He says, the answer to that is not that I am my own, but belong with my body, soul, both life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the power of the devil. He has also preserved me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of his eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. And then the second question of the catechism is then what do you need to know in order to live and die in the joy of that comfort, right? Hmm. And the answer is how great my sins and misery are. Second, how I'm delivered from all of my sins and misery. And third, how I'm to be thankful to God for such deliverance. That's not where the Christian often thinks about joy in their life. So that's that bri- that is the bridge in the disconnect, mm-hmm. right? So I think a big part of it. If somebody, what are you going to say to the person who's listening today, guys? That they do know Jesus, they are saved, but their circumstances are really, really hard, and they feel like they are experiencing a disconnect between their life and the joy that they are supposed to be having in Christ, like, what can that person do today to bridge that gap? Like, where can they lean in so that the gospel bridges that gap for them? I think for me, I go back to the catechism. And, you know, it's interesting that everybody does experience different levels of hardship and difficulty, Mm -hmm. right? But but the catechism deals with the one that's going to affect all of mankind. And that is death. Like, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of what people think they will experience in this life or won't experience, like the one thing that the Bible says we're all assured of is that we're all going to die. I mean, that, right. that's the that's part of the curse, right? That's part of sin and, and, and sin being a condition. That's a state of my soul, right? So I, I think, you know, oftentimes we try to deal with joy on a much more um, supplemental basis, right? Mm-hmm. Where... Um, you know, we, 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 we try to add it into our life in the midst of where we're at 
rather than understanding that like my joy is him. My joy comes from knowing him. And I and I think that's why we can look at people who have experienced great hardship and and you know we've all seen people like this in life and we look at them and we're like well there's something about you that y- there's a joy about you right now that doesn't, doesn't make, seem, sense. make sense yeah. i mean you know like are you delusional are you are you not living in reality <laughs> you know but 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 i think we for i, I you know for me I, I know people in my life that i've seen go through some incredible hardship and um, I think about one in particular was my aunt, uh, Aunt Vicky, and she she battled breast cancer for like seven, eight years. And um, really, you know, she had a lot of challenging days, but she was a lady who was just filled with God's joy. And, and I can remember that going by to see her and, you know, she was so sick, but you you wouldn't know it by by looking at her because there was just the joy of the Lord Um you know, exuding from her, right? And and it was that hope, that hope in life and in death that uh, that 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 she had Christ. And so I don't think we as the church do enough to think about um, the grace of God that's dealt with my guilt. You know, we just talked about guilt on the last episode, but the the, the grace of God that's dealt with my guilt and the gratitude that should come from within my heart, because we 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 try to live, I think, such temporal lives. And we fail to just look beyond this life, and and it's and it's everything that you know Jesus has said to us. He's what he's promised us. What do you think, Stephen? Yeah, I, I I typically would first of all say to that person, I'm very sorry to hear about what you're going through. You know, because first of all, you can't downplay what somebody's going through. But James one, I think, is an interesting passage when uh, talking about suffering. He writes to people who, um, I mean, this is a great COVID passage because these people were isolated. They were cut off. They were losing their jobs. They didn't have a job. They were trying to find a job. Um, like they were, they had endured persecution. Like, I mean, like the people that James was writing to were literally outcasts in a foreign culture and had lost a lot of everything and maybe hadn't seen family and what it felt like forever. And he writes to them and he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. Literally, uh, count it all joy. It's that word kara again, that joy and happiness. But the word count literally means to govern. Make the choice, govern your life, govern in yourself all joy when you face trials of various kinds. And then he gives reasons. It tie- He ties it back into your faith in God. So ultimately, yes, it's the joy of God coming back to you. But James gives a prescription to people who are suffering and he says, Rejoice, brothers. Uh, take joy, and I, I kind of would call it like um, hopeful weeping. <laughs> and uh, what I mean by that is there's emotions and seasons of emotions in life. Uh, Romans twelve fifteen speaks to that. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. There are times of life where suffering, weeping, and mourning, lament, uh, mm-hmm. things like that are said in the Bible that they will happen. And then it even says to mourn with those who mourn. So where there's a command there that we are supposed to let that happen. Joy doesn't diminish someone's suffering. It doesn't diminish the suffering because I call it hopeful weeping because there are times of weeping. Yet if we truly have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we know how the story ends. So we do not take joy in our... We don't take joy in the trial. In our trial, we rejoice se. in the Lord in the midst of our we trial. We rejoice in the Lord of the trial. Um, the Lord who is over everything that is. 
and um, in the ending story because a lot of people who I've met in those situations where they, they, they either have been in hospital for months or whatever, the ones who are joyful, they're joyful because they're looking to the Lord and they're saying, man, I cannot wait <laughs> to get out of here. But in this time, I will continue on because I've been called to be here. So um, recently I heard a sermon that talked about Christian happiness or Christian joy. And three things, um, this was preached by Tim Henderson. He's a local pastor. And he said that it, with Christ, Christians should be the most happy or the most joyful, if we're going to use that word, the most joyful people on earth. But the, the question was, why? Hmm. Why should we be? And he said, one, all of our bad things turn out for good. Hmm. Romans 8. All of our bad things turn out for good in the end. Maybe not right now. But he's going to use all of those things to conform us to the image of his son. Mm-hmm. That is our promise. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be a financial stress. It could be a sickness, it could, anything. He will use all of our bad things and turn them out for good. Two, our truly good things from God can never be taken away. It's good. And then third, the best is yet to come. It's good. It's so good. real Christian happiness um, is because our bad things turn out for good, our good things can never be taken away, and the best is yet to come. That's some really solid takeaways. Aaron, what are some takeaways for you as say, we close down to this? Right there. <laughs> are, are you good? Yeah, is that your I, takeaway? I have nothing else to add to that. I think that's really good. Well, I want to end with a verse here. Um, as we have spent time together discussing what is joy, we've encouraged one another to choose joy and to receive and live in the joy of the Lord. Um, we can know that no matter what happens, we can rest in a promise found in actually in the book of Nehemiah. Um, and in that book, um, Nehemiah, they're reading and they've gone through a lot of trials and the building projects and everything. And Nehemiah eight ten it says this, and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So wherever you are, whatever you're going through, you can rest in the fact that the joy of the Lord is truly our strength. Hey, thanks for listening to Where We Land, Christ, Culture, and the Church. If there's anything we talked about today on the show that you would like to know more about, we'd love to hear from you. So send us a direct message on Facebook or on Instagram. You can also find us on our website at whereweland.org. We hope you'll join us here again next Friday as we conclude our series on emotions by talking about how to cultivate a healthy soul. We'll see you there.